2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio
3: app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Fight. Full-time fight. fantasy.
4: It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronas solo here for the first hour. We are here until 4 p.m. Eastern. I'll be joined by Fantasy Taz from ffchamps.com in the 3 p.m. hour as we recap the action from Sunday in week six. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronas on the gram at Aaron88. And check out all my work at fulltimefantasy.com. I'll have my waiver wire article up on Sports Illustrated at si.com slash fantasy tomorrow. Uh, we have the Monday morning prescription notes from Dr. Otto on full-time fantasy as well as the week six superlatives from Fantasy Frankie. So you could check all of that out right now. If you have any specific questions, you could ask them on the message boards and forums. And uh, especially on game day, I recommend that you... Ask them as early as possible. There was someone yesterday who asked the question at 12.56 p.m. Eastern. I was able to get the answer to them before the games kicked off, and uh, they were pretty ecstatic because they had digs on the bench. I told them get digs in, and they did, and obviously you know how digs perform. So we're here to help, uh, so make sure you check that out. Of course, if you play the showdown slate, you can mess around with our optimizer tonight uh, as part of the DFS side as uh, it had also digs very high up in the Optimum scoring yesterday as well. So lots of ways to check us out, win money, improve your team, trade questions, waiver wire, whatever it is. We got you covered uh, over at fulltimefantasy.com. Let's take a look at the action from yesterday. We'll kick it off at the Sunday night game, since many of you might not have saw it. Steelers beat the Chargers 24-17, but this game was not as close as the score indicated. Steelers were up 21-0 in this game as their defense was harassing Phil Rivers all night long. Tons of pressure on him. And the takeaway here from the Pittsburgh side, there's really not much because they didn't have to do much. Devlin Hodges, their third-string quarterback, getting the start with Mason Rudolph sideline with that concussion, wasn't really asked to do much. 15-20, 132, a touchdown and a pick. So obviously that's going to affect the numbers a lot. We knew it was going to be a game where James Conner would get a huge volume, and he did. 16 carries for 41 yards and a touchdown, but he also caught seven passes for 78 yards and a touchdown. So a big night for him. He did leave in the third quarter with a quad injury. Doesn't appear to be serious. The Steelers are also on a bye next week. So probably not much concern there. We did see Benny Snell, though, get a lot of touches in this game as they ran the ball 36 times. He had 17 carries for 75 yards and also caught a 14-yard pass. So if he is on the wave of wire, you certainly can look to him. He's not going to help you next week. But when the Steelers return from bye, they face Miami. And Jalen Samuels is out several weeks after undergoing a knee procedure. So Snell, I think, has some limitations. But anytime you're going to get some volume You're definitely in play, and he was someone I picked up in a league or two uh, last week just because he is the backup and playing some pretty deep leagues where there's not much on the waiver wire. So it's better to strike early and get that guy for a cheaper price before they start to have a game and people's eyes open up and then you have to pay a little bit more. But uh, with a bye week, maybe the price is not as high, but I got to think he's going to be picked up in those deeper formats where he's not available. Obviously, another disappointing game for Juju Smith-Schuster. Four targets, one catch for seven yards. A lot of it, again, was the score. But I got a lot of questions on Juju this week. And he he's not a must-start anymore. And I think that's what you have to understand. I had a two, Juju Smith-Schuster in two leagues. One is the Scott Fishbowl, so it's a very deep format. And I played him there. The other was a FFWC online championship. And it's a league where I'm actually stacked at wide receiver. And I've been leaving some points on the bench because I really have about nine starters, maybe ten. Ten wide receivers in that league that realistically will start on most. And I can only start a max of five. So I had Juju on the bench this week in that league just because I had better receivers. Obviously, I don't have to worry about that next week. He's on bye. And then he gets Miami. It's a great matchup. So we'll see. Mason Rudolph could be back. But it's very frustrating right now if you're a Smith-Schuster owner. Because the expectations obviously had to be completely dialed back once Ben Roethlisberger went out. The problem is you really can't trade him at this point. You're just not going to get anything for him. You just have to hope. That when Mesa Rudolph comes back, that they do get him involved a little bit more. But for anyone that took him late first round, early second round, he's just not going to meet that expectation this year. And uh, it's just real unfortunate. But there won't be too many days like this. You know, same thing with Vance McDonald. Uh, One catch for five yards on one target. Health has always been an issue with him. He does have this bye week to rest. And tight end is just such a tough, tough position. So... It looked like McDonald was going to be a really good tight end this year. Now he's more of a tight end, too. On the Chargers' side, I mean, this run game couldn't do anything, but they were playing from behind, and there was just a ton of pressure. The Chargers have a lot of injuries on the offensive line. I mean, Melvin Gordon really hasn't done much since he came back. He certainly seems to be at least the lead back for now, or it took more of a slight step ahead. Eight carries, 18 yards, three catches for 30 yards. Meanwhile, Austin Eckler, five for 14, and three catches for 14 yards. So really, both guys not productive uh, for the Chargers. As we talked about it during the week, that was a home game for the Chargers. But it really was a home game for the Steelers. There were a ton of Steelers fans at that game. And it's just embarrassing for the Chargers that they have to play their home games in a soccer stadium. And with so many opponents, uh, fans from the opponent in the stands. Especially when you have a team that travels like Pittsburgh. So... It was pretty, pretty bad there. Uh, It felt like a a road game for the Chargers, so it was very discouraging. You know, Phil Rivers, if you used him, it worked out because he had 320 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two picks, but a lot of it came in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Hunter Henry, nine targets, eight for 102 touchdowns. They said Hunter Henry, if he played, was going to be limited, and I guess we don't know what the definition of limited is anymore. But he played a lot, and he looked good. So if you had him on your bench, I really can't blame you. It was a night game. You weren't 100% sure he was going to go. I know the signs pointed towards it, but they even said if he plays, he would be limited. He did not look limited to me at all, and a lot of people left those points on the bench. I know in one league where I had Hunter Henry, I did not play him. It sucks, but at least be thankful that you have Hunter Henry going forward, especially as scarce as the tight end position is, and it's clear – that he's going to get a lot of targets in this offense. Uh, He looked very good last night. Mike Williams yet to score. I thought he would find the end zone. Five for 72 and 10 targets and a down game for Keenan Allen. Two catches, 33 yards on six targets. It's got to get better for him. Uh, But the Chargers are just a mess. It seems like we go through this every year. We expect them to be good, and they have major problems and major injuries. More running down the action from Week 6 when we continue here on Full-Time Fantasy.
0: going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here, along with you fans, covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of... $300,000. Anyone can win. Relationships matter. And only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
4: Back here it is full time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Rohn is here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. I'll be joined by Fantasy Taz in the second hour as we recap the action from Week Six and look at it from a fantasy perspective and what you can expect going forward. Uh, if you got up early yesterday to watch the London game, it was definitely sloppy. Panthers have now won four in a row. Kyle Allen. Didn't need to do much at quarterback. It was a good matchup for him here. Certainly was in the streaming conversation this week. And he was okay. 227 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Still unsure about Cam Newton when he returns. Of course, a lot of people are going to say, keep rolling with Allen since the team is winning. We saw this in week two. The Buccaneers did a great job shutting down Christian McCaffrey on the ground. He averaged 1.4 yards per carry, 22 for 31 But he did get a rushing touchdown, and he did catch four passes for 26 yards and a touchdown. So it's amazing. That's how great McCaffrey has been this year. You basically get a game where he's shut down on the ground, and he's still one of the top fantasy producers of the week. And certainly a good sign here that he was able to get 26 touches. He was on the injury report earlier in the week with a back issue. And uh, Reggie Bonifant, I think, only played like one snap. So uh, he was certainly someone that was picked up in some leagues last week. I did. In a couple leagues why I have Christian McCaffrey, certainly good to have that insurance just in case. I just don't see him getting the workload. McCaffrey does, and everybody is concerned. Can McCaffrey continue to hold up over this insane workload? But they do have a bye week this week, so he'll get some rest. For receivers, DJ Moore seems to be the preferred target for Allen. He had 10 targets, 7 for 73, did have a drop. And we finally got the big game from Curtis Samuel on an 8-yard carry. He scored. He also caught four passes for 70 yards with another touchdown. So big game for him this week. Might have been on the bench for some people. We know he's an explosive playmaker. And, you know, they're DJ Moore, probably more of a wide receiver, two wide receiver, three Samuel, also a wide receiver, three every week. Uh, A lot depends on matchup. This certainly was a good matchup, though. They just didn't really need to do much through the air. Only 20 completions for Allen as they pretty much had the lead throughout uh, due to the defense and the Terrible play of Winston, which we'll get to in a second. You know, Greg Olson had a really good matchup here that put him in the conversation as one of the top seven, top eight tight ends of the week, and he had four for 52 with the way the tight end position is. and a PPR, you will absolutely take the 9.2 points as he had seven targets uh, there. On the Buccaneer side, and I've uh, – Definitely been a guy that was drafting Jameis Winston this year, Uh, but this is the downside of Winston. Now, from a fantasy perspective, depending on what your scoring is, he still was productive. I have some leagues where it is minus two for an interception, so that's where he really hurt you. But he still passed for 400 yards, 54 attempts. Uh, He had one touchdown, but five interceptions. He took seven sacks, and it was just bad. Uh, I tweeted out, besides the interceptions, taking sacks – the poor decision making, the poor pocket presence. He played a good game, but it was just brutal and that's the downside of Winston. He held on to the ball too long, he needed to get rid of it. He turned his back to the field trying to scramble and you know, that's why the Panthers defense was a really good play this week. You know, they I picked them up in a couple leagues to stream for this matchup uh because even with Winston playing better, I think he had two interceptions from week 2 to week 5. He still was taking a lot of sacks. The Buccaneers also had two linemen injured that were not playing in this game, and they haven't been a great offensive line to begin with. So it's going to be up and down with Winston going forward. Uh, you know he's probably going to throw a lot, and he's got a couple good passing targets in this uh, passing game. So, you know, there, there's there been some highs for Winston this year and some lows. And, again, as bad as this low was, depending on your scoring format, he still actually got the job done. I mean, in a couple of the leagues that have him, he still got at least 20 points. Uh, so it really depends on how much – the interception and fumbles are worth because Winston also lost a fumble. He fumbled twice, losing one. So it was a pretty, pretty bad game for him. So they'll have to buy week to kind of clean this up here. As far as the Bucks' running game, you know, they fell behind. And even when they are competitive in games, it's just really tough to have confidence in any of these guys right now. I mean, Peyton Barber continues to look mediocre, and they continue to start him. 8 for 28 on the ground. Ronald Jones, 4 for 10, but he did have a rushing touchdown, and he looked good to me when he gets the ball. But the problem is you just can't have confidence starting him. With teams on bye weeks, though, coming up, you might be forced to, but you got to understand the floor is extremely low. And Oakman Wally got a late touchdown uh, from three yards out. His only carry of the game, that's because they were running the hurry-up offense, so he was in the game. Chris Godwin, I mean, what more needs to be said about this guy? I mean, he was uh, my breakout player of the year. Uh want to try to get him in as many leagues as possible. And that's the one benefit about doing early drafts. Talk about it all the time. Most of the drafts where I have Godwin were early. Once we got past mid-August, his price just soared. There was so much hype on him. And obviously, he's worth it. I mean, if you took Chris Godwin right now in early round three, you're happy about it. And some people might have said, oh, that's way too early. But clearly, it's not. I mean, he's one of the top receivers. I know he was the number one fantasy receiver going into the week. So he's right up there. 12 more targets, 10 for 151. Just really fun to watch and amazing. Mike Evans, all right. They said they were going to get him the football. Now, this was a tough match against James Bradbury, who has had Evans' number in the past. But still, and a lot of the questions I got this week, I couldn't bench Mike Evans. And this is from someone who has him and got that zero last week. 17 targets in this game. But, man, it could have been a way better game. He dropped a long pass that probably would have went for a touchdown. Uh, just... Very inefficient game here for him. It could have been way better. Now, in a PPR format, you'll take it 9 for 96, but it just could have been a better game. OJ Howard, uh, so many questions on this guy. Now, he's being rumored in a lot of potential trades, and I think they need to get him out. It's not working. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he's way better than this, and he's just not involved in this offense enough, so it would be great if he got traded. A lot of people are dropping him. Again, it depends on what you're adding. There's not a lot out there at the tight end position. I mean, think if you dropped him last week for Gerald Everett. I mean, Gerald Everett had a down game. You know, these tight ends just don't produce on a week-in, week-out basis. There's very few. And then you add the Will Disley injury to the mixes. It looks like he has a torn Achilles. And that was a guy people picked up off the waiver wire. We're hoping for it. Now, he is likely out for the year once it's confirmed. And all indications are it is. So Howard's just real frustrating right now. And I like them a lot going into the year. I only got him in one league somehow. It's a 14-team league. (laughs) I haven't really found anything on the waiver wire, so I'm kind of sinking with him right now. So that's the problem with Howard, uh, who did have a pass early, two for 35 and four targets, also missed on the pass. And, of course, Cameron Brait scores a touchdown here for Tampa as uh, they fall, and they'll head out on the bye. Ravens beat the Bengals 23-17. I thought the Bengals were going to cover that spread of 11. Just thought they would be uh, competitive in this game. But Lamar Jackson, this is an example again. I feel like we go through this year after year after year. We went through this with Kyler Murray. I did a piece before the season. Uh, we did some of these debates. Uh, and I you know, I took one side and Francis Frankie took the other side. And my argument for Kyler Murray was... You take him because of his ability to run. And you see it with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson did not throw a touchdown pass yesterday. And he still was one of the best fantasy quarterbacks of the week. Why? Because he ran. 19 for 152 and a touchdown. He didn't even throw a touchdown pass. He had 236 passing yards. He didn't turn it over. He took one sack. But the Bengals rushing defense is awful. Now, I thought Gus Edwards had a shot this week to be in the – Deep sleeper conversation. I thought he could get double-digit touches because the Bengals have been so bad. Turns out it was Lamar Jackson instead. Uh, I knew Jackson would run, did not expect 19 carries as he led the way for this team. Mark Ingram, you were probably expecting a better game too, but only 13 for 52. He did find the end zone, two catches for 22 yards. And in this game, Hollywood Brown was out. To me, that meant Mark Andrews was a good play, so... I used Mark Andrews in DFS when I saw Hollywood Brown was out. This was the week I talked about it last week. I loved the tight ends and playing two on DraftKings from the George Kittle, Austin Hooper, Mark Andrews group. And Andrews did come through, eight targets, six for 99. So no one else really stepped up in the absence of Hollywood Brown. And that's just the way it's going to be with the Ravens. They're going to spread it around. It's really Andrews and Brown, that's it. You know, Miles Boykin, two for 28, just three targets. But you're just not going to see much volume in this offense. Uh, And for the Bengals, Auden Tate, big game, 5 for 91. Tyler Boyd disappointed, 3 for 10 as he was faced up against Marlon Humphrey, who took him out. So most weeks, Boyd is going to get the volume, so don't really worry about it that much. And Joe Mixon, a lot of times I'm telling people not to play him. 8 for 10 on the ground, 2 for 29 through the air. Just a really tough offense right now. When we return, we'll continue to look at the action, including another bad performance by Baker Mayfield here on Full-Time Fantasy.
3: DailyRoto.com
4: It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. On a Monday afternoon, I'll be joined by Fantasy Taz of ffchamps.com coming up in the 3 p.m. hour. You can find all my work at fulltimefantasy.com as well as si.com slash fantasy. I'll have the Week 7 Wafer Wire article up. Tomorrow morning on SI, you can head on over to Full Time right now. Get the week six superlatives from Fantasy Frankie as well as Dr. Otto's Monday morning prescription notes. And if you have any questions, feel free to ask them on the message boards and the forums. Taking a look at yesterday's action, uh Seahawks, they go into Cleveland and beat the Browns 32 to 28. Cleveland actually had the lead in this game. Look, there's I say this every week about Russell Wilson. I wrote it in my stock watch. You know, year after year, we look at Russell Wilson, and we see the lack of pass attempts, and we wonder, okay, he cannot keep this up. Just mathematically, it cannot happen. And he just continues to get it done. So efficient, doesn't need a ton of pass attempts. You know, their defense is not the same. They don't generate a lot of pressure. So you'd like to see them play from behind a little bit more just so they can unleash Russell Wilson. Could you imagine if Wilson had... The ability to throw 550 times. I'm not even asking for 600. I mean, Matt Ryan is on pace for more than 700. You imagine Russell Wilson was allowed to do that? How good he would be? The numbers he would put up? I mean, this guy had over 30 touchdowns last year on like 450 attempts. Uh So he just so undervalued in fantasy. Kind of wish I had him in more leagues. I do add him in one of, more, one of my more important leagues. And pretty much... Got to put him in there. I have him and Dak Prescott. I've used Russell Wilson the last couple weeks and probably will continue to do so with the way he is playing. Again, only 33 pass attempts and 23 completions. But he had 295, two touchdowns, and he ran 31 yards and a touchdown. So he didn't run a ton last year. He's running a little bit more. So that definitely helps as he's pretty much someone that I think he got to put in all the time. Uh, Maybe you have a combination, though, of Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. You know, that's kind of tough. You're kind of playing the matchups each week, and that might be a scenario where you can trade. I think it's very difficult to trade for quarterbacks, but I know in a lot of leagues where not everyone is as sharp as you guys listening, people will trade for a quarterback. I see it all the time. Get those questions. So if you do have that combination and you've been holding on, you probably want to make a deal if you can. I mean, yes, it's nice to have the backup just in case an injury happens, but that's uh, two guys that are playing at a very high level that can bring you something really good back. Chris Carson, you knew he was going to be a better play in DFS once Rashad Penny was ruled out. Once again, inactive with the hamstring issue. I mean, he was still going to get huge volume, but without him, you know they don't run CJ Prosize much at all. He had three carries in this game. And Chris Carson, 24 carries, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Also, finally more involved in the passing game. And that's something they said in the offseason would happen. And he had four targets, catching all of them for 35 yards. So Chris Carson... Getting it done right now. And you might have got scared when you saw a running back fumbled. It wasn't Chris Carson. It was CJ Proseis. So Carson in a really good spot, even when Penny's healthy. You know, I thought Penny might be able to get double-digit touches on a weekly basis. And it still might happen. We did see that back in week two. But it seems like this hamstring is still an issue because uh, after returning, he was set out this week. Tyler Lockett, probably still a little frustrating for fantasy owners because you want more volume. We all expected more volume this year. He had 70 targets last year. And so far this year, he's got 41 through six games. So he's on pace to you know, pass, surpass last year. But with as efficient as he is, like he needs to ball more. Think about this. all right? He has 41 targets on the year. He's caught 35. I mean, basically, whenever Russ throws to lock it, he catches the ball. And the problem is, like, the last three games, the targets are 5, 4, and 4. We need to see more. I mean, we saw against the Saints where they were chasing points. He had 14 targets. And as a competitive game against the Steelers, he had 12. So that's what we need to see more of. You need to see Seattle be in competitive games or be chasing points. And uh, they have had you know, based on the final scores, they've had competitive games, the last two, you know, against the Rams, they won 30-29, to 29, but they were playing from ahead in that one, and uh they just didn't throw a lot to Lockett in this game against Cleveland. With five targets, he caught all five for 75 yards, so it's a fine day, it's just that I think if you expect a drafted Lockett in round four, you know, you were hoping for bigger numbers, and you just have to hope that the volume increases, and Possibly maybe it happens with Will Disley being out. DK Metcalf looks good, man. Uh, When he's getting the football, uh, again, not a high volume. uh, Five targets, four for 69 in this one. We did see Jerron Brown score twice, three for 29 and two touchdowns. Don't think you need to pick him up even in deeper formats. It's just not enough in this offense. I mean, you could make a case with Disley out. Maybe he becomes involved more, but... I don't think so. And Luke Wilson looks like he's going to be the tight end. He had two for 16 on three targets. Uh, don't think he is as good as Disley. Uh, the Cleveland side, man, what a disaster this team is right now. You know, I thought this was a game that they might win. And I think they could have if they didn't make so many mistakes. Uh, Baker Mayfield is just a disaster right now. You know, this was a game where I thought it set up well for him because Seattle is not putting any pressure on the opposing quarterback. And Baker Mayfield... Did not get sacked at all in this game, yet he still only threw for 249, a touchdown, and three interceptions. One was Dontrell Hilliard bobbling the ball, going into the opponent's hands for an interception. Wasn't a great throw, but man, this team is just so dysfunctional offensively right now. And they head out on a bye, and when they return, they have New England. So it doesn't look like it's going to get much better here for the Browns. And you know a lot of Baker Mayfield questions over the last couple weeks, and You can't play him. I mean, if you're in a really shallow league, you probably can't cut him at this point. I know people have and It sounds crazy considering where he was going before the year, but he's not playing well. It's a combination of the offensive line, the scheme, but even Baker. I mean, this was a game he should have played better. It didn't get sacked, and it's not happening for him. He has five touchdowns and 11 interceptions on the season, and he's fumbling too. So uh, just a terrible start to the season for him and a lot of people took this guy as a top five quarterback you know sixth seventh eighth round complete complete bust and you know that's one of the reasons why we always preach kind of wait on the quarterback because if you do take one early and they don't live up to expectations you know you kind of gave up a big draft capital there and then you watch as other teams wait and get Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, who all guys who went later on. So really tough. Uh, and even Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is someone I had ranked pretty high going into the year. And he even went after Mayfield in a lot of drafts. So you much rather have him right now. Nick Chubb, though, continues to play great football. I know some people are worried about when Kareem Hunt comes back. But uh, Chubb is just getting uh, big workloads every week. And he looks really good out there, averaging 6.1 yards per carry. He was 20 for 122 with two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Baker Mayfield did salvage his day a little bit from a fantasy perspective because he did rush for 35 yards in that touchdown. though Beckham would have a big week this week. Liked him in DFS 6800 on DK. Uh, he had 6 for 101 on 11 targets. Ricky Seals-Jones continues to play a lot of snaps, and he might still be out there on the waiver wire, especially if you are a Will Disley owner. Uh, now the Browns are on a bye next week. Then they have the Patriots, so probably don't want to play him there, but he is becoming more involved in this offense, and he is basically a wide receiver. Uh, I liked Seals Jones a couple years ago, and it's been up and down. But in this offense right now, without a great third wide receiver, uh, Seals Jones certainly is in play at a weak tight end position. Jarvis Landry, down game for him, three for 36. Rashard Higgins was active, but he didn't play. So I thought he might have an opportunity with Antonio Callaway really not doing much. We didn't see it there, but this is just a, a dysfunctional offense right now. And uh, I don't know. I thought maybe a coaching change would happen here with the bye week, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Saints continue to play well. They beat Jacksonville 13-6 to six on the road. Again, not really doing much offensively. And Teddy Bridgewater, though, has put them in a position where they look like the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, you, 49ers, obviously, you can make a case for as well. Uh, But Bridgewater just bridging the gap there while True Breeze is out and uh, could return next week or the week after. But Bridgewater just managing the game here, 240 and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara is the guy we got to keep an eye on. He came into this game with an ankle injury and apparently also left with a knee injury. So we didn't see the typical workload. I mean, he still had 18 touches, but not very effective on the ground. 11 for 31. 7 for 35 through the air. So still gave you 13 points in a PPR format, but it's not what you wanted out of a guy that you took third or fourth off the board. So you just have to hope that he can stay healthy. Uh, Latavius Murray, a little bit more involved in this game than we've seen. You know, this is kind of the usage I expected going into the year, and I think we might have seen it had Drew Brees been at quarterback. But I think with Teddy Bridgewater, they kind of just said, all right, get it to Kamara, get it to Michael Thomas, and it's kind of squeezed everyone else out, including – Latavius Murray, who had eight carries for 44 yards and three catches for 35 yards. So he got you double digits in a PPR format if maybe you were desperate this week or you set your lineup and didn't look to see if Kamara was out. But Murray certainly is someone that could see a bigger workload going forward or at least split with Kamara, but you have to keep an eye on that. He also did have a touchdown back due to a penalty in this one. Michael Thomas, 8 for 89 on 12 targets, so pretty much uh, what you expect. And Jared Cook finds the end zone again. As bad as tight end is, I guess Cook is in play. Almost was given up on him. I do have him in one league, reluctantly starting him. I have Chris Herndon in that one, and I I was hoping he would be the answer, but obviously had that hamstring issue that's going to keep him out uh, another week or so, maybe longer, who knows. Uh, But that's pretty much all you could use right now on this Saints team with Bridgewater quarterback. It's really Kamara and Thomas, and I guess Cook because of the state of the position at tight end, and maybe Latavius Murray, depending on what we see with the practice reports this week with Alvin Kamara, who clearly wasn't 100%. Jacksonville. I know a lot of people used Gardner Minshew this week. He was playing very well, multiple touchdowns in every game, but this was his worst game of the season by far. Definitely didn't look good in this one. 163 passing yards, no touchdowns and interception, took two sacks, and just really had a hard time finding receivers open in this game as uh, Marshall Lattimore did a really good job on DJ Chark. We'll talk about the rest of the Jacksonville side and whether you should be concerned after such a down performance when we were getting consistency. That's ahead. It's full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
3: DailyRoto.com
4: It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern on a Monday afternoon. Coming up in the 3 p.m. hour, I'll be joined by Fantasy Taz from ffchamps.com as we recap week six and let you know what it means from a fantasy perspective. And you can find all my work fulltimefantasy.com as well as si.com slash fantasy. My week seven Wave of Wire article will be up early tomorrow morning, so you can check that out. Talking about the Jacksonville offense yesterday, obviously it was terrible. I mean, the good thing is Leonard Fournette continues to get huge, huge volume. 26 touches on the day. Did not find the end zone, but 72 yards and 20 carries and six receptions for 46 yards. And that's what you love to see. Heavily involved in the passing game. And as bad as it has been at times this year and still only one rushing touchdown for Fournette on the year, He's just getting that volume each and every week, and it's uh, really important. Uh, he now has uh, at least four receptions in four of the last five games, so he's heavily involved in the passing game, and uh, that's where the it matters in fantasy is getting all that volume. It's uh, very important, uh, and uh, he's getting it right now. He's got 26 receptions on the season through six games, so uh, that's what you love to see, heavily involved in the passing game. It raises his floor each week. And that's why uh, you saw Fournette going where he went. Of course, he's got to stay healthy. That's one of the knocks on him is the inability to stay healthy. But so far he has, and he's getting it done. DJ Chark, when everyone jumped on him and said, all right, must start, get him in, uh, down game for him. But Marshawn Lattimore was on him, and Lattimore has played at an extremely high level, especially the last three weeks after getting off to a slow start. I thought maybe they might move Chark around a little bit because that's what they did two weeks ago. They put him more in the slot to avoid Bradbury, but Chark saw a lot of Lattimore in this game. Seven targets, three for 43. So finally did not produce. And D.D. Westbrook, three for 53 in this one. So really not much action at all for the Jacksonville offense in this game is that Saints defense has played very well. They've needed to step up with Drew Brees out. They have, uh, and they get it done. One of the marquee games of the day yesterday, the Texans and the Chiefs and the Texans win this one 31-24. A big win for them on the road in Kansas City, basically with a similar blueprint that we saw with the Colts two weeks ago. You want to run the football. Kansas City is weak defensively. Control the clock and keep that offense off the field. The Chiefs offense had the ball for 20 minutes, so it was a really good game plan here. Now, Deshaun Watson still put the ball in the air a lot, but... Carlos Hyde was uh, a sneaky start this week. You know, he's been getting the volume, but really not produced much. But you figure if there's any week where he could find the end zone, it was this week. And he had 26 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Caught a 14-yard pass. He's not heavily involved in the passing game. So, not someone that you have to get in there every week. But this certainly looked like a game where he was going to get big volume. And he did. And he came through. Deshaun Watson with a big, big game here, which... Kind of knew He expected this to be a shootout. It was uh 55 was the over under. Well, it depends, I guess, on where it closed, uh, but it was 55 54 in that range. And uh, it wound up being 55. Watson 280 passing yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions, but on the ground 10 for 42 and two rushing touchdowns. As he's definitely one of those quarterbacks you get in every week, I know he had a slow start to the area, two games of less than 200 passing yards. But uh, emerging over the last two weeks. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that they just don't love Duke Johnson. Uh, This might have been a game. Well, it depends on the way you predicted the game script. You know, Some people might have felt that Houston would be playing from behind. Trying to keep up with the Chiefs offense. That was not the case. And maybe that game script would have led to more Duke Johnson. But five carries for 34 yards. That's 6.8 yards per carry. Four targets, two for 20. He did find the end zone, but still, it's very difficult to start Duke Johnson with confidence right now. I did start him in two leagues only because of injuries and bye week issues, but that's just not getting it done. It's He should get more touches, in my opinion, especially in the passing game, but it's pretty clear. We're through six games, and they are just not utilizing Duke Johnson enough, so... It's got to be a pretty deep league or you're really bad at running back to start him. And I can make that declaration in a league or two where I am using. But it doesn't feel good. Because, I mean, think about it. If he doesn't score the touchdown yesterday, you're looking at seven points. You just can't count on that touchdown every week. So it's clear they prefer Carlos Hyde. And uh, they're not using Duke Johnson that much. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, this was a disappointing game for him. I know it's crazy to say. It's nine for 55, so 14 and a half in a PPR league. He did have 12 targets, but he did drop a touchdown. And we now have a touchdown scoring drought for Hopkins. And people drafted this guy fifth overall in a lot of leagues. And it's because the expectations are high for Hopkins. I mean, is he had a bad year? No, but this is not what you wanted when you drafted him as early as you did. Uh, We're not accustomed to seeing Hopkins produce like this. I mean, he has he has one 100 yard game. Came back in week one. He scored two touchdowns in week one. He has not scored since. So it has been uh, a disappointing year for Hopkins so far. In fact, he has double digit targets in only two of six games. Now he does have at least seven targets in every game, but the expectations are not what you want it to be. If you do have Hopkins, you know you continue to roll with him. You expect it to get better. You expect him to get more touchdowns. Uh, For some reason, the Texans have not run a lot of plays inside the 10-yard line. So uh, they've been getting some of those long touchdowns, and it's hurt a guy like Hopkins. But you have him. You just hold on to him. I mean, you're not going to get anything. You're not going to get a proper return in a trade. And you got to think, based on the track record of Hopkins, that it's going to get better going forward and that we will have games where he does find the end zone. Will Fuller, disappointing. I'm sure everyone jammed him back in their lineups after last week. And I only have one fuller in one league. He was actually on my bench. And it was a tough call. It's a league where I'm just stacked at wide receiver. And uh, I decided to bench him. And I guess it didn't burn me. Nine Five for 44 and nine targets. Now, he did drop three passes. Uh, and a couple of them could have been touchdowns. So, that was one thing we've seen from him in the past. The hands could be a little iffy. It definitely surfaced in this game. So we know that there's going to be weeks where he explodes like last week with the for the 217 and three touchdowns. And we saw the first four weeks of the season where the floor is kind of low. But most weeks, you're going to play him. And you should have played him in this matchup. I, again, I just had a real tough decision of with really good wide receivers. And a couple of those guys did not come through. But most weeks, uh, especially in a matchup here with the high projected total against Kansas City, think he wanted to get him in there and uh, again with one of those drops being a reception he has a pretty good day uh, we're seeing Darren Fell's more involved in the offense at the tight end position I mean he is still splitting with Jordan Aikens but Fell's actually led this team in yardage with 69 catching six passes on seven targets so uh, he might be sitting out there on the wave wire and again this is more for the Will Disley owner where there's not much and it's not like He's going to be consistent, so just keep that in mind, especially in this offense with Hopkins, Fuller, Q.T. They get Stills back. It's not going to be like this every week. I mean, before yesterday's game of seven targets, he had three over the last two games. So uh, he did score two touchdowns, but that was against Atlanta two weeks ago. Uh, both receptions went for scores. So again, it's, he's not the answer for you at the tight end position, but very thin, and maybe Will owners might have to go there. Kiki Q.T. Six targets, four for 39. Once again, uh, Kenny Stills is out. So once Stills come back, that's going to hurt him. On the Chiefs side, you're pretty much disappointed across the board. I mean, the good thing is Tyreek Hill returned. He played about 50% of the snaps. And I know I said it last week. Uh, I remember Doc asked me, Tyreek Hill compared to him players. And I pretty much said, if Tyreek Hill's playing, he's in the lineup. And the reason is, I don't care if there's limited snaps. He's a guy that it takes one play and he can make your day. And you saw it here. I mean, he only had five receptions. They went for 80 yards and two touchdowns on 10 targets. So when Tyreek's on the field, they are going to look to get him the football. And he made an amazing catch for one of his touchdowns in traffic, leaping up to get it, and then coming down and getting into the end zone. So even on the limited snaps, Tyreek Hill is a player you just get in. So hopefully you did not bench him and you were listening last week. Uh, Pretty much every question I got, Tyreek Hill was the answer if he was included in there. Uh, because they really could use him back in this offense. And again, even with about 50% of the snaps, he still got 10 targets in this one. Now, the Chiefs' backfield is an absolute headache right now. And it's hard for me to recommend any of them. You know, someone had asked me a question. I think it was Diggs, Hill, and Damian Williams. They needed a two or three. And I said, You got to sit Damian Williams. And uh, it's even worse than I thought. I mean, Damian Williams had two touches yesterday. Uh, this t- now I know they they actually had the lead though for a little bit, uh, but they only ran the ball eleven times. And I know we look at the Chiefs and we go, well, in this offense, the running back is going to be valuable. But like right now, how are you deciding who to play this? It's essentially a split. I mean, LaShawn McCoy eight for forty four, five point five yards per carry, but two receptions for no yards. Again, Damian Williams two touches. We showed Daryl Williams with a fifty two yard reception. So. I mean, this is probably an outlier here because how many weeks are they going to really have 11 carries? And it's a short week for them. They're playing Thursday night football against the Broncos. But it's tough to start these guys with confidence right now. And there are four teams on bye again this week. And there could be some injuries. So you're kind of forced to. But it's difficult right now because this definitely looks like a, a committee. And it's not even clear uh, who the lead. Based on yesterday, it's McCoy. But... Uh, it's, it's not ideal here. Uh, Travis Kelsey four for 58 on six targets. And you know, he's, he's going to have a big game soon. Uh, we've all been waiting for it. He has one touchdown on the season and that came back in week two. Uh, and he's been getting you double digit points in PPR formats almost every week. This week fell a little bit short. Uh, it's just that I think you expected more, especially if you took Kelsey Kelsey in the second round, uh, You wanted more than this. It hasn't been bad, but it definitely has not lived up to the draft value so far. And, look, you're just going to continue to run Kelsey out there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, And you know that one of these weeks he is going to have a game of uh, multiple touchdowns. There's no question about it. Uh, And part of it is Patrick Mahomes still not 100%. This ankle, a little bit of an issue for him so far. And you're kind of seeing it. Just doesn't have the same ability to plant and throw. 19 of 35 for 273, three touchdowns and a pick. So, again, still great from a fantasy perspective. And they didn't have the ball, too. About 20 minutes they had the ball. So, they didn't run as many plays as we're used to seeing uh, with Houston controlling the clock. So, that does come into account. Sammy Watkins was out of this game with a hamstring injury. The early indication is he could return this week against the Broncos on Thursday. So, you will know early about that. Still, I don't know if you feel great about putting him back in. And as far as the rest of the receivers, McCall Hartman, four for 45 on four targets. Byron Pringle, two for 24 on three targets. And Demarcus Robinson did not record a catch. He had four targets in this one. As far as those receivers, we all know there's some big upside. But you also saw the floor is very low, as we saw in this game. And again, part of it was not running a lot of plays. But it's going to be a lot of Tyreek Hill. A lot of Travis Kelsey, and you got to think Watkins, too, when he returns. So, very risky at this point to play Hardman or Robinson. You have to understand that the floor is very low for these guys. And uh, Pringle was on the field quite a bit, but didn't do much. And so, once Watkins returns, he's going to hurt all of those guys. They're more really bench stashes at this point. Uh, Depending on the depth of your league. If you're in a league with 16 roster spots, they might be cuttable depending on what's there. I play in a lot of leagues with 20 roster spots or more. So I'm holding a guy like Hardman. Because if anything happens to Tyreek Hill again, uh, if he takes a big hit, lands on the shoulder, uh, Hardman goes right back into a big role. So those are deep formats where I'm holding on to those guys. Lots more ahead as we wrap up Hour 1. Continuing to go over the Week 6 storylines. What happened? What does it mean for your fantasy team going forward? That's all ahead. It is full-time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com.
3: Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
1: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, verse tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: Back here at his full-time fantasy, Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. We will continue to recap Week 6 and what it means from a fantasy perspective going forward. Some notes, though, from today. Josh Rosen was taken out of yesterday's game for Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Flores. The Dolphins coach said he anticipates Josh being the guy for the Dolphins at Week 7 as they go up against the Bills in what is a terrible matchup. Bills coming off a bye, playing great defense this year. And look, at this point, it makes sense. Just for them to put Rosen out there to see what they got, they're more than likely going to take a quarterback anyway. And we could see Rosen being on to another team like we saw last year. But uh, obviously it was ugly yesterday, but they need to see what they have. And it's obviously not a conducive situation of success there in Miami. Uh, the Titans will name a starting, starting quarterback tonight. That's according to Coach Mike Vrabel. As Ryan Tannehill replaced Marcus Mariota midway through yesterday's game. Uh, Neither was very good. Tannehill was a little bit better. But it's just awful in Tennessee. And uh, four of the last five the Titans have lost as they go up against another team struggling right now. The Chargers in week seven. And usually that would mean to me that they might go to Tannehill because if he had that much confidence in Mariota, he would have just came out and said Mariota is still the starter. So there potentially could be a change there. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, big game Sunday night, Cowboys and Eagles, uh, both teams 3-3 and and struggling. Uh, There's a chance Deshaun Jackson plays this week, but he probably won't practice on Wednesday, according to Coach Doug Peterson. So that's something to keep an eye on there. And uh, looks like Mason Rudolph could return to be the starting quarterback for the Steelers in Week 8. Remember, the Steelers are on a bye next week. Evan Ingram participated in practice today, as did Saquon Barkley. I got to think he returns this week. He's been tweeting out videos saying, I'll be back soon. My guess is he plays this week. Remember, the Giants uh, released Jonathan Hillman, uh, added Buck Allen. And Starling Shepard took part in individual drills. But there's reports that it's probably not going to be a return for him this week lots more ahead in the next hour we'll continue to recap week six looking at some of the great performances and the disappointing performances including the rams what is wrong with this offense fantasy taz joins me for the next hour here on full-time fantasy